Welcome everyone. Welcome to a new edition of the interview series of the Multimedia Men Podcast Network. We're interviewing film composers and musicians. The unbalanced note. I'm Brian Kluger and I am joined by the host with the most, the man that I want to make music with and be in broken heart galleries with, Mark Chafferdini. What's up, buddy? Well, hi there, Brian. Man, it breaks my heart whenever we don't do the show, so I'm so glad to be back on the air with Y-O-W. Our hearts just touch all the time, and I'm very happy when we're together <laughs> and seeing each other, because we're both in Dallas, Texas, but I believe we have a fantastic, a legendary, an amazing musical guest here, the phenomenal, excellent, intercontinental champion of music and film composing, Genevieve Vincent. What's going on? Whoa. <laughs> it's like, I feel like I'm at the WWE and I'm like rolling out like 80s style and I need some like, I don't know, t-shirt guns or something to go off. You do, you do. So in conjunction with that, what is your WWE entrance music to you to come out with Glenza Blazin? Oh, that's a tough one. I'm probably a Guns N' Roses song, like, but I guess Welcome to the Jungle. Like, why not just go for it? <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. I like it. We like Guns N' Roses here. Get that guitar riff. It's a face melter. Uh, you're, are you in Los Angeles? Are you in Canada? Where in the world are you? I am in Los Angeles, sir. Oh, where the, the weather is... Well, what's the weather like there right now? Because there, there are some fires over on the West Coast, right? Are you doing all right in that? Yeah, it's like where you look at the weather and it's like smoke. And you're like, oh, <laughs> is that a weather? <laughs> um, yeah, I can see the sky. So I think that's things are looking up a little bit. Um, and it's not as hot as it was a couple weeks ago. So it's, it's, it's all right. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that you're doing well. We're going to talk about so much fun stuff, including the new film you did the music for, The Broken Hearts Gallery. Very excited to talk to you about that, as well as one of your bands, Dark Dark, and the new music videos, music you've been releasing, as well as some schooling and stuff like that. But first, we got to start at the very beginning. Where did it all start for you, Genevieve? Where did it all begin? Is it some, was it a, an album your parents played for you or that you snuck from somewhere? Where, where did it all begin for you in music? Um, it all started with violin lessons when I was three, which I was forced into, um, as many of us are. <laughs> and, uh, and, then it, and then I just started, you know, writing songs and fiddling around on the piano and kind of just... Um, I don't know. I was kind of like a latchkey kid. So I just like had a lot of time by myself as an only child, uh, for a very long time. And I just, I just really love to just like, I would just sit around and like write music and like, I don't know, make up melodies and just have fun. And like, it was just kind of like a pastime and like, I don't know, like I just always loved it. Uh, so it was always, it, there was sort of never anything I liked more than making music, I guess, since I was just like, as long as I can remember. All right. So do you remember the actual first violin you played on or the first piano or keyboard you had when you were that little? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I did Suzuki Violin Method and they make these like teeny tiny 
baby violets. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Before that, they give you like toilet paper rolls. It's like this, they like cobble together this like violin shaped cardboard thing. I don't, and then they like to, to practice holding it when you're really little. And then like once you're like, you know, not going to drop it on the floor, they like give you like a baby violin. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> and I remember playing like lightly row, like really out of tune. And my mom being like, it's so out of tune. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's yeah. really, that's really funny. And do you remember the first song you learned on piano as well? Um, you know, I, piano was, <laughs> piano was more of amateur hour because, I mean, I just told you I played on like toilet paper rolls and now I'm saying piano was more amateur hour. So I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I wasn't really formally trained in, in piano for like a long time. Um, my mom played piano. And so when I picked up piano, I just started like making up my own stuff. Um, right away. I did take singing lessons for a very long time too, like did the whole classical singing, like opera thing um, for about 10 years, like uh, in, in Vancouver at the Royal Conservatory of Music. Um, so, so yeah, so the piano thing was more just like, I guess I would think of more like vocal melodies and stuff, but then like I wanted the juxtaposition of harmony under it. And like, I don't know if my mom was just like, we can't afford like another set of music lessons, but like we just didn't, I don't know. Like I, I just didn't really take piano lessons until like I went to college basically. Like I just sort of fiddled around on piano and like figured stuff out. Um, so yeah. <laughs> and so af while you were doing that, and I guess maybe before college, you were writing your own songs at an early age and playing these musical musical instruments. Was there a time where you were performing in front of family and friends, like on like the fireplace steps? So you're like, you gotta listen to my new song. This is what I just wrote. Oh yeah, definitely. Like every talent show, like I used to like, I don't know, like do the whole singer songwriter, like write a song and play it and like force them to <laughs> listen to me play. <laughs> Which, yeah, like, you know, I mean, they were very polite about it, so it's fine. Um, but yeah, a lot of, you know, I also like when I was in school, I had like this band in high school where we like did like Smashing Pumpkins covers and like Alice in Chains covers and like, like basically like, I don't know what was going on that I was like, I'm going to sing these like grungy 90s songs, but I kind of like, you know, I love doing that. And then I would like sing jazz and I loved jazz and I would listen to like Billie Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald stuff a lot and try to copy them and. I don't know. I was just kind of like all over the place. <laughs> what was your high school band name of these the, the Smashing <laughs> Pumpkins cover songs? You know, I like, what the hell was it? Like, I don't know if I can remember. Oh, man. It was so, we were like, we were such a bunch of like weirdos. Like, I don't think that they'll mind if I said say that. Um, what, a, like a little group of misfits. I don't, I don't really know what we called ourselves. It was like, well, we took it really seriously. I mean, <laughs> it was like band practice, like, you know, every two days and like the school music room, like we got to like rent the room out and yeah, I mean, it's that's, that's great. So when was it that your love of film and love of music collided? Um, hmm, I guess it's kind of like always, you know, it's really hard to pinpoint. Um, 
uh, I always loved watching movies, um, and I was always, like, really moved by music to picture, like, even some, like, ads, like, literally even some commercials, I would, like, tear up at the music, like, some kind of weirdo, um, I don't know, I think it always, like, it was always, like, a really emotional to me to see how, like, music and picture kind of like collided but I think I think that if there's one movie that really caught my attention when I was little it was the Shawshank Redemption um and I remember just hearing Thomas Newman's score to that and like and then and then like just like losing my mind and then like going and listening and listening like over and over and over and over and over like obsessively to that score and yeah I think if that's you know, if that's, that's probably a pretty significant uh, piece of work that got me really interested in film scoring. And that's what you studied um, at the Royal Conservatory? Um, no, so at the Royal Conservatory, I was just doing um, classical singing. So I was learning a lot of like Handel, Haydn, Foray, Poulenc, like, you know, art songs and operatic songs. And that was cool because like I memorized a lot of music, um, which, you know, I think that just, I'm more of an ear learner anyway. So that was sort of cool. It kind of focused my ear to like be able to memorize things really well. Um, but I learned film scoring when I went to Berkeley. Berkeley. And that's where your love. And then, so does that you made like maybe like a thesis or a student film with your music? And is that how you kind of jumped into the whole Hollywood movie <laughs> and TV show type of thing? I wish that would have been a faster way to go. <laughs> <laughs> you paid your dues. Yeah, I totally paid my dues. Um, you know, I think I'm still paying my dues. Like, I don't know if you ever stopped paying your dues. But, like, it's kind of like, um, A, you know, I love doing it, so it, do it doesn't really feel like paying. But, B, uh, yeah, I think the first time I, I actually ever scored anything other than, like, little assignments at Berkeley, um, was uh, there was a filmmaker in Vancouver, his name is Jeff Chiba Stearns, and he had this short animated film that was all animated on yellow sticky notes. And he called it yellow sticky notes. And he basically was like, I, um, we knew each other from Vancouver and he asked me if I would score it for free. And of course I was like thrilled. So I, uh, I scored it using like reason, like basically like I didn't really have like a super deep knowledge of like tech, um, but I was using like DP and reason. Um, stuff like that. So I basically did the whole thing with reason, which is kind of crazy to think about now, but, um, but we did it all remotely and, uh, he liked it. And, and that, that short film actually ended up at the Tribeca film festival premiering, uh, there. So I was in second year college and I remember going to the Tribeca film festival to see the premiere there, um, meeting up with Jeff and like watching the short film with my music in a theater and being like, Oh my God, like, this is literally the best, this is like the, the best experience of my whole life. Like I was like, you know, so that was really amazing. Yeah. Well, part of being an artist is trying to find your own way. Now, when you were, when you're in the bands in high school and you were trying to um, be, uh, you're so enamored with Thomas Newman's score, where do you think in the process you learned the most about what it is that you like most about music? Um, I think one of the things that, I always was really attracted to was original voices. Um, and I mean, I guess just anytime, like, so that's obviously really a subjective thing to say, but, um, 
but I think for me, it's like anytime I hear something that I feel like I've never heard before, I'm really excited by it. So I remember like even just hearing like, like some of these like classical art composers, like, um, like Poulenc, for example, or Foray, like these are sort of lesser known, uh, to like the general public composers, but I remember like some of the like harmonic juxtapositions, like with their melodies, like they sounded so unusual to me. And I remember just being really excited by that. And I think, I think the other thing, you know, to sort of bring that through to like Thomas Newman's score, I think in the moment um, when I first heard it and even still, you know, there's something about, it's basically to me poetry because he's chosen these sort of, I mean, it's, it's not like it's um, every single, it's not like it's Baroque music. So you have like 10,000 notes and there's sort of that like overt complexity, but um, you're hearing this like beautiful sort of selection of just like the right notes in the right places. And there's just something that's unusual about the juxtaposition of um, the harmony and the melody and how the harmony colors a melody that like is only like a few notes long. So I think I just get really sort of, uh, enamored by um, just how harmony colors melody in different ways and like those kinds of choices. And I just, I honestly just get really sort of excited uh, every time I hear anything in any genre that I feel like, holy shit, I haven't heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thomas Newman, he's definitely a voice who really makes, I, I sometimes he can do really alien sounding um, themes and melodies like Wally is a perfect example of how you're not really sure is that an instrument is it a sound effect like what is it and it really does speak to his talents but more to you finding your own voice um, when you're trying to compose the things that you want to say um, sometimes as a young artist you don't know what you don't know so your interpretation leads you down a path versus the way if you were taught in school how do you how do you approach? Do you go more of I'm going to find my own way, or this is what my teacher said to do? Um, definitely the find your own way thing. I think part of that though is part of that I think is just a bit of ineptitude um, in a certain way <laughs> because mm-hmm. I'm dyslexic. So like I feel like it's always been tough for me to kind of like color in the lines. Um, like I really I think over the years I've actually gotten a lot better at. Um, doing that at coloring in the lines. Um, but I, I think my natural approach is to always find my own way because, um, when you're dyslexic, a lot of like normal things, like you can't really just learn exactly the same way as everyone else. So you're always sort of coming up with new ways of reframing tasks, I guess, so that they're doable. So to me, it's kind of like, you know, every, everything that I do is like a puzzle that I'm figuring out. So I think I have to start with the clarity of what am I trying to say? That's the first thing. And then sort of taking steps back from that to try to actually build it. And I think, um, I think just because, because I've had to sort of be um, strategic with how to do things in a lot of different arenas in my life that just naturally translates over to how I approach writing music. Um, so I guess, yeah, I think, I guess I don't, I don't really think too much about 
sort of like trying not to fall into certain tropes or trying, you know, I think if anything, if anything, usually I go, I have to say to myself, okay, like, I know you can go crazy with this, but like, you need to like get a little bit in the box because like, if you just write music that no one understands, like no one will want to listen to it. <laughs> so like, I think, I think I sort of go the opposite. I go the opposite way. So I try to kind of, yeah, I try to rein it in a little bit, a little bit, you know, and I think there's definitely venues where you don't have to do that. Um, because there aren't expected tropes. Like when I'm writing concert music, I kind of just go for it when I'm writing, you know, like stuff for dark, dark, um, kind of just like go for it. I don't worry too much about like how it's going to be received. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I don't know, you know, I guess it's really hard to, it's really hard to be objective. Um, and I think, uh, as far as like knowing whether or not your voice is original. Um, and of course, you know, I guess if you're really getting down to it, no one's voice is really totally a hundred percent original, but, um, you know, I guess, yeah, I just try to sort of be, be true to myself when I'm writing and it, I don't know, it just comes out how it comes out and we kind of workshop it from there and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what do you think that that's, uh, thank you for sharing the, your uh, story about being dyslexic and finding your own path, but is there something about your personal taste, your psyche, the things that you, that you have inside of you that, that make you choose path A versus B? Um, and and how, how does your personal taste um, and it create the eventuality of the things that you, um, you compose? Um, you know, like you did this great, uh, great cue, um, series of cues for Hokkaido, the the episode of moving art. Um, do you have an interest in Japanese culture? You know, tell us about that and that process. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I was really fortunate to do five <clears throat> films for a Japanese Canadian director, the same guy uh, that I did the short film for, Jeff Chiba Stearns. Um, and through that, um, it was really important that um, although those are Western scores, that um, I incorporated some of the just like instrumentation and influence of a Jap of of traditional Japanese music, um, and so over the years I'd studied uh, Japanese instruments, writing for Japanese instruments. Um, I've listened to a lot of traditional different kinds of Japanese music, and I've talked to <clears throat> um, you know Japanese filmmakers and people about their feelings on kind of what's what's a tasteful sort of way to approach doing that sort of um, influence score. Um, so when I got approached to do Hokkaido, um, it it made a lot of sense to me because um, I had that experience and I felt like I could really draw on a little bit of that experience <clears throat> and also find a way to do sort of my music, but just infuse it with a little bit of influence from the Japanese culture so that we could give the visuals a sense of place. That's awesome. Yeah. And and, and then more to that point, I, I wonder if that is more scary because, you know, in something like Broken Hearts Gallery, you can sort of hide behind the dialogue or the sound effects. But when your music is almost front of screen, it does that does that intimidate you that you're sort of, you know, you can't hide anywhere? I think I sort of like it. Um, <clears throat> I like it because it's, it's sort of a, it's a real sort of 
communication between the the filmmaker and the composer that yeah as you said is not really very usual so um i think it really challenges me to rise to the occasion and like to rise to that level because um you can't let it down on either side um and i guess like i i do of course you know i every time i get a new project that's that's different i do get a little bit like <clears throat> of course um intimidated or you know nervous about about it but but more than anything, I get excited about the challenge. Um, and I kind of like, I don't know, like it just, it just inspires me to like try to punch above my weight. Like, it's like, okay, like let's do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's see how it goes. Like, I don't know. My dad was a boxer. Maybe that's like <laughs> where I get it from. <laughs> so so you, you, you go the distance then. Oh, I go the <laughs> distance. I'm out here watching Rocky and oh man, some of my favorite movies. It's so ridiculous. Some of my favorite movies are like the Rambo and Rocky movies, and I'm just like, oh, does it get any better than that? I don't know. You're speaking Mark's language, by the way, right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that is good. So let, let's talk a little bit about this new film that has been released, The Broken Hearts Gallery. Uh, mm -hmm. How did you come aboard this movie? And I, I said, so Selena Gomez was a producer on that. And did you get to work with her? And what was it like doing this, you know, this big uh, motion picture? Um, yeah. Um, so I came aboard the film. Um, I mean, let's see where to start. So I pitched... I pitched some some music, just tracks, um, and then I was called back to read the script. Um, once I read the script, I was like, oh, wow, like, this is, A, it's really funny, and, and the other thing was is that it's, I don't think I've ever read a script that I felt like, oh, this was me when I lived, you know, in New York. I could completely relate to it. Like, it was, I mean, I lived in New York for five years, and between, you know, when I was, like, right out of high school. And I was working in advertising. I was doing like music and advertising, music supervision. Um, and like, kind of like, I could really relate to that Lucy character. I mean, of course she works in an art gallery, but you know, she's, she's sort of trying to have this big career in art and she's, you know, really excited about it and she's dating and she's living that kind of like 20 somethings life. And, and so, yeah, when I read it, I just thought like, I totally get this and this is written really well and I and I loved the humor of it like it was kind of edgy I guess and I um I liked that like it wasn't censored like there were some jokes in there where I was like that's awesome <laughs> like she went there that's cool um so I so yeah so I really liked it and then uh and then I talked to Natalie Krinsky the director and writer and uh, yeah, we just, we had a really sort of down to earth conversation about the film, what she wanted to do with it, um, what she was thinking about uh, in terms of sound, but I was also able to kind of pitch her on my idea for the score, which was to do something that, um, you know, it kind of felt like Lucy's world. Um, so I didn't really think it made a lot of sense to have a really, uh, very, very cinematic, classical only sort of style score. I was like, you know, Lucy, I and mean, she's 
she's like a young, cool millennial Gen Zer type. And, you know, she's walking around and like her music is like a mix of like synth and indie rock. And like, of course we're going to have like some cinematic moments, but um, I wanted to like bring those sort of like, uh, I wanted to bring her world into the score. Um, and Natalie liked that vibe. So then um, I screened the film um, and super cool. And, and then I went ahead and did a demo for it. Um, and I did like this three and a half minute montage uh, for it. And uh, I, um, that actually ended up in the movie. So that's, that's the cue we're in business. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that was my demo. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> That's very cool. And so did you ever get to work with Selena Gomez on that? No, I wish. I I mean, it was very much between me and Natalie and, okay. yeah, the production company and music supervisor. Um, but uh, I'm a big fan of Selena Gomez. I think she's, she's uh, really brilliant. And she, um, I also just love her voice. You know, I'm just yeah. kind of <laughs> love her voice. She's got a great voice. <laughs> For sure. So now I have to ask in your music for the film, it, you really blend well the elements of an orchestral, and as your word, cinematic score, well with the um, the synthesizers and more of digital age, which sounds to me like an amazing, happier version of Goblin. And I think it just like really plays off really well in this story. And I was curious how you blend these elements very well together, like you did. Awesome. Um, that's super cool. I'm now going to look up Goblin. <laughs> 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 um, uh, yeah, so I don't know. Um, hmm, I think, I think that, you know, cause I'm always like doing Cynthia and poppy stuff with dark, dark. And then I'm writing like stuff like Hokkaido on my own on the other side of it. It was kind of like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like the, it's, I guess it made a lot of sense, but I hadn't really done that exact thing before. Um, so, I mean, I think the first thing was like, I just like went out and got some synths that I just liked the sound of. Um, Cause I was like, Ugh, I need like a refresher. I need something that's exciting and inspiring. So like, I got this like drum machine where I was like, this is fun. It's like a Roland. And I was like, let's just start with some 808s. And then, uh, and then I was kind of like, wouldn't it be funny to kind of have like some pizzicato in there with the 808s? Like, I don't know. I just kind of like, like, it's, it's a bit of a, um, it's a bit of a sort of experimentation, I guess, as, as you go. And, um, and I think, uh, yeah, it's hard for me to, to sort of explain because when I'm, when I'm writing, I just sort of go into this like flow state. <laughs> <Sounds> <laughs> you're plugged into the matrix when you're doing this all. And then I finish it. And I'm like, I don't know how this happened. <laughs> <laughs> so through, throughout your career so far, how many instruments have you learned to play? Um, that's, yeah, uh, that's a good question. I mean, I guess, um, like, uh, so instruments like, I mean, obviously all the keyboard instruments are pretty much the same, um, for the most part, you know, uh, I mean, some 
drum machines. I mean, I can throw a shaker around. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> are, there, are there any like woodwinds or brass that you uh, can yeah. do? No, but I can, I can do some pretty rad stuff with my voice, but I, yeah, I'm not, I've never actually ventured into woodwinds or brass, which is a little weird now that I think about it. Cause like the breath control that I learned from like all the classical singing might make me like a natural at that. So maybe that, maybe you just like sparked something. <laughs> no, Hey, from somebody that learned clarinet and saxophone from like age 10, <laughs> it's, I, I could see how the singing and train your voice and your mouth to uh, get a tone or pitch that would be awesome. I think I kind of see, um, so I have, so on Hokkaido, for example, I worked with a woodwind player who um, played about four different woodwinds on that. And uh, a lot of the time when I'm writing, um, especially with melodic stuff, I will sing everything into the DAW and then I trace over it and orchestrate it. So I use my voice as like a pretty big writing tool. Um, and the reason for that is that when I, when I have an idea, um, the easiest and fastest quick, like it's just, I can just, I can just sing it through and then it, it's there. And so then I can kind of take my time, you know, filling it out, orchestrating it, working on it. Um, but especially when working with, you know, woodwind players or, you know, um, in fact, uh, I also worked with a, a violinist on a, a project called Because We Are Girls, and he wasn't a, um, wasn't really a sheet music reader, um, and so there was a lot of, like, singing to him, and then having him play what I sang, and I don't know, I find that to be, like, a really helpful tool, so, yeah. That's cool. Very cool. <laughs> that That's actually really awesome, because uh, Brian and I speak to uh, a lot of composers on the show, and we usually ask them, what's the first thing you grab? And some people will say, well, um, I'm a guitarist, so I grab the guitar or the piano, whatever. So you're one of the first people we've spoken to who could vocalize what they want. And then, like you said, fill in the blanks, which is a tremendous trait to have. Um, could you could you do anything like the, um, the diva in The Fifth Element? <laughs> oh, my God. You know what? It's kind of crazy. I mean, no. First of all, obviously, she's great. She's the best. But, but. I have some weird shit that is on that vibe. I'm like, basically, um, so I, like, like, you know how I said, like, I need to like get in the box sometimes. There's some music where I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting in the box. No one's really hearing us. Um, one of those cues though, one of those pieces of music ended up on the Hokkaido score. Um, and uh, Louis uh, Schwartzberg actually liked it. So I was like, awesome. <laughs> it's, um, it's called, so I, it's not really out. It's on my SoundCloud. Um, you can find it. It's called Otherworldly Calls. And basically, it is like a, a, a large number of vocalizations and layers that, I mean, it's just kind of, it's all over the place. Some of it is sort of sounds like singing. Some of it just sounds like kind of like the scene is where it sort of sounds like aliens talking to each other. I don't know. But basically it's like the scene is these giant uh, swans and they're all in this, in this body of water together. And really it's an alien-esque type scene to me because they're really large. And the way that Louis shoots, um, he sort of, uh, he changes the natural perspective that we see when we're watching things. So there's something about it that just like, I don't know, it really like evoked this sort of sense of 
um, yeah, something otherworldly. So, so the, the voices that I did on it are sort of meant to like give them this sort of telepathic voice between each other. Um, so that's sort of what I was thinking there, but <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I've done some weird stuff maybe along that fifth element line. <laughs> I, I like pictured it in my head, like I, I'm hearing your voice and it's a beautiful voice. And then I was like, maybe she can go like a guttural Tibet, Tibetan monk chant, like on a dime and like have the conversations with each other. It's very cool, like voice work. Yeah. And like, I think I've made a few vocal synths. So I've done a few different versions of, um, so like on Dark, Dark Moments. Um, so Dark, Dark, Heathered, uh, first EP, and then the song Moments. Um, that song started out with, um, basically me just sampling my voice, um, you know, like a bunch of different ways and then kind of playing that in and using that as the accompaniment to the um, top line that I then wrote. So, um, and then Chris and I produced it together. Um, but uh, yeah, I think like it's fun. Like I think voice is sort of a fun, flexible, like interesting kind of thing. And I love I love sort of finding instruments that can emulate different parts of the human voice. And I don't know, it just, yeah, it speaks to me. And whenever I'm writing, I tend to sort of, I think I tend to write over bar lines and write strange time signatures because um, a lot of the time I'm just sort of trying to feel what the cadence should be. And I'm really not paying attention to the click track really not paying attention to the bar lines I'm really not paying attention to the meter all I'm paying attention to is sort of the natural cadence of the scene or like the natural cadence of the piece of music so then after the fact I'll go back and like with my musical training make sense of it so that I can actually have someone play it that's cool that's very cool you know looking at the track list for uh the Broken Hearts Gallery uh the the cues are very succinct versus um Hokkaido where you know it felt like poetry just kept going on and it evolved um and i imagine that when as an artist you kind of trust your gut to know when to start and stop but when you're kind of working with a director and having limitations of a scene how do you how do you work within that canvas to say i really want to go longer but i can't or vice versa um i think i think usually for me it's just about whatever is in service of the film and then extending that to the film is Natalie's vision. So it's like, what I want to achieve is the truest version of her vision possible. Um, and so I don't tend to find myself ever in, like, we definitely, we never felt, we found ourselves at odds um, in terms of any of sort of the starts and stops and stuff like that, I don't think. Um, it's more just sort of trying to get to the bottom of it to me, like, trying to find the clarity of it because, um, yeah, I think if we sort of, I think if sort of as, as I go, like I'll be, I'll write something say and present it to her and then she'll give some feedback. And I think it, the more that we hone it in to when she hears it, she's like, yeah, you know, that's to me, then it's, that's the, that's the right answer. So I don't really, yeah, it's, um, to me, it's really just a conversation, and then one we sort of both know when it's over, I guess. Got that, yeah. Got, gotcha. Well, you know, in, in terms of warmth, I think the, the, this whole soundtrack just radiates a, a, a harmony, um, emotions, and it reminds me 
I, I always hate to say that an artist sounds like another artist, but one of my favorite cues in probably the last 10 years is Christoph Beck's music to Paperman. And that just and this just had like a real a heart to it. And I think what this this felt similar in both style and just emotion. And I'm wondering how long it took for you to sort of get it right and work with Natalie and 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 finally, like you said, get what she wants. How long was that process? Um, we worked together for about two months. Um, we did have a little break in the middle. Um, but yeah, two or three months, we had a little break in the middle. Um, it was, you know, I think the benefit of demoing on the project was that um, and sort of a right after that, we, we knew that we aligned. So it was really an, a good opportunity for us to just figure out like the tone before the commitment was made. Um, and so I think moving forward from that, you know, in that, basically in that queue, we're in business. Um, it's almost like a medley. It goes through like four different, I think, sections. Um, and what I was trying to show her was like, I was trying to show her like a cross section of like all the different things that I could do um, stylistically. So we kind of, we start with the sort of like very like poppy fun drum machine at the beginning. And then it kind of goes into like this sort of plucky kind of like a conversational almost like banter cue and then it goes into this kind of like more um cinematic like big guitars kind of like uh grandiose feeling and then back down to something small and then so I think I think through doing that particular cue it was like a great opportunity to kind of for us to sort of have that dialogue of like um okay like this is working and like established like four different tones in one key. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Okay, dog. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was, that was actually really um, a great thing. And then, um, yeah. And then I think really just empathizing with the characters. I mean, I think a huge part of it is uh, just trying to put yourself in their shoes and just feel how they, how they feel in their world. And, you know, and like, if the character is sad, like, you know, they're deeply sad and what kind of sad are they? And how can I speak to the truest version of that person being that type of sad and, you know, and, or, or that person being that type of happy or that type of hopeful or that type of in love or, and I think I just like, you know, for better, for worse, like I'm definitely someone who feels all the feelings. So I, <laughs> I can kind of, yeah, I just kind of try to like, get into, you know, almost like acting or something. I just try to sort of put myself in their world and their situation and speak, speak the truest version of that, that I can. Gotcha. And you know, when you use the, the term demo earlier, so demo is different from say uh, a, a notebook or it's different from what a director does when they do a temp track. Is that? Yeah. So basically like the demo is a, it's essentially a pitch um, to try to get the, try to get the gig. Um, so, um, you know, cause I had, I, they'd never worked with me before and, um, I didn't, I don't exactly have a household name. <laughs> so, you know, like they wanted to kind of see like what I was going to do with it. Um, and, and, uh, so it's basically, yeah, you just, um, you put together a pitch. It's kind of just like, 
writing a cue and uh, you know, it's a good way for them to find out if you're on the same page um, and if you can do it basically, I think. And um, yeah. And for the demo, I mean, I kind of like went all out. Like, I, I mean, I really uh, basically like once I described what I wanted to do to her and they like what I wanted to do in the, in the music to Natalie, <laughs> she, um, you know, and she wanted me to demo, I realized that, like, um, I needed to, like, take a really big swing at it, so I actually went out and bought, like, three grand worth of, like, new shit, and, um, yeah, I know, it's insane, and, and I was, like, I can't, I, like, totally can't afford this, like, that literally in my head, I was, like, I can't, I, yeah, just messed up my credit, um, (laughs) (laughs) it paid off, though, yeah, so I, yeah, I, and then I was, you know, and, and then I was like, because the thing was, is like, I knew exactly what I needed to do the sound that I had told her to, that I wanted to do. And I, and I couldn't, I wasn't going to like half-ass it. So I was like, all right, I said I was going to do this. I'm going to go do it. And then, so then I, and I also had it mixed um, properly. So like the way that a final mix would be instead of just like going with the demo mix, because like it was, I just had this feeling, I'm like, this is such a huge chance for me. And like, I don't want to fuck it up. So, you know, I'm going to give it everything I possibly have. And, you know, if it's not good enough, like at least I know that I did my best. (laughs) That's perfect. That's perfect. That is is good. I want want to talk a little bit about dark, dark, if you don't mind. Yeah. The, the electronic pop uh, duo dark, dark, um, where the name dark, dark come up and who has the capitalization dark and who has the lowercase dark. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah me and Chris oh, I wish he was here um me and Chris always uh we always like laugh about this I mean I don't really know who big dark and who little dark is like I can change it day to day <laughs> whoever like I don't know whoever's feeling like bossier that day who knows um but uh but yeah we can't we I mean we came up with it like in the most sort of it just speaks to our relationship, which is just relatively like the most harmonious sort of friendship that I've ever had. Um, basically like I had a dream. So we, we, uh, we were doing remixes together. Uh, when we first started out, we started doing remixes together and that was going so well. And so it was easy for us to work together that we decided we should start writing some songs together. Um, plus I had like a whole bunch of songs that I'd never like produced properly. And I was like, I'm like, you know, it, it seemed like a fun thing to do. And, and then like, so we started writing together a little bit and then I had this dream, but like, um, this is so dorky. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> let's get dorky. Let's get dorky. So like I had this dream that like on the radio, <laughs> oh my God, I saw this track by Dark Dark and it was us. And I was like, Chris, I had this dream that like we had a track that was on the radio and he was like, that's cool, bro. Cause like, <laughs> that's how he me. Um, and <laughs> sounds of, like, so positive. A lot of like dude and bro. No, I call him bro back, but I just I think it's kind of funny. Um, but like, but yeah. And then I was like, what do you think? Like dark, dark. And then he's like, yeah, dude, it's great. And then I was like, okay, great. And then, yeah. And then, you know, we just made a little logo and that was kind of that you know, there wasn't really much else to it. <laughs> so you released uh, a music video, uh, I believe called Sequels, um, recently, this past week. Yeah. And 
I listened and watched as I did a few of your other videos and I, I am a fan and I have to say that uh, your music is very, it's like one with organic nature um, as I would, I mean, it's, it's kind of like a soundtrack to nature and uh, animals flying and being free. I, I guess, does that kind of describe something that uh, that's what I watched and I got like a real happy feeling from it. Yeah, I think that's amazing. Um, yeah, we, um, <clears throat> I think with the production, we tend to be maximalists <laughs> and add a lot of uh, extra little animal sounds and stuff like that. I, yeah, I mean, that track, I'm so proud of it because like, it was kind of like, I mean, Chris and I have always, I mean, we've, we've been, actually, we've been able to collaborate with a couple of other rappers, like hip hop artists, but never for our like original stuff. Um, mostly in like co-writing situations or producing situations. Um, and that's been super awesome. But, you know, we have this sort of like thirst for hip hop and <laughs> we, um, we made this crazy track, uh, together. And at first we were like, I was like, all right, well, like I'll sing on it. And, and I started writing all these top lines to it. And I was like, none of this is working. And I had this whole narrative about like some like guy in Vegas, like it was kind of like an Ocean's Eleven thing. And it was just, it was just like, it wasn't coming together. Like in my head, it was just like this greasy, like gold chain wearing, like, like, like gangster in Las Vegas. Like, I don't know. I just had this like weird, like movie in my head that, you know, it's like, unfortunately I'm not a screenwriter. So like I couldn't get it together. <laughs> um, but like, <laughs> I should just stick to writing music, um, but like, so, so like, we were just like, oh, this track is so rad, but we have like, what are we going to do? And then I went to France and just like got this thing that popped into my head where I was like, dude, we need a French rapper. Like, that would be awesome. And we started, yeah, we started checking out different like uh, French rappers and like, yeah, when we got the chance to like work with Leone, we were like, I mean, we were just so excited because he's just so talented and he's so good. And he just like, he just wrote that top line and he just like sent it back to us. And we just like lost our shit. We like fell on the floor. And then since I speak French because, you know, Canada, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I sang with him in the choruses and like added some things and, you know, we, we honed it in a little bit, but, um, yeah, I don't, that probably didn't answer your question. I just went on a tangent, but hey. <laughs> no, hey, it's a good story. I, I didn't know you went to France to found the, the artists and everything. That's really cool. Yeah. No, but, but I'm a fan of Dark Dark, and I like how you, like you earlier in the show, you said you're a woman of many hats. You're a jack of all, or a Jacqueline of all trades. And so you're, <laughs> you're doing of you're, you're film composing, scoring this electronic band. you where where do you find time to breathe? Um, well, I, like, in a past life, I mean, not really. <laughs> in a past life, I had a real job, and I, um, while well, it was a good real job, I, uh, I learned what it was like to, to have to, you know, like, just get up and go to work and do all that stuff. And was that, I, was that the advertising job? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, so I, I worked in music supervision and, and advertising, and, you know, like, I, I really liked it, um, but 
uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm so grateful to be able to make music all the time, like for work that like, I don't, it's like, I get, I, I just, um, it doesn't like, there's never a time where I'm like, Oh, I'm too busy. Like I'm always like, and now what, and now what, and now what, like, I just love, I really love it. And I also just love so many different kinds of music. Um, and I think I just have like an appetite to like learn different musical languages and, um, and I just get really excited about like collaborating. So like, you know, because every, every film, every like director, every like, every like co-writer or whatever, like every client, honestly, it's like, they give you something, you know? So it's kind of like, they give you, they, they give you like inspiration um and it's exciting to like just put it together like solve the puzzle like and yeah I don't know it it just it, it's just I don't know what to tell you like I would fill every minute of my day up doing it <laughs> <laughs> well that's good I'm glad you're 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 in that business and you're succeeding and doing wonderful stuff and I, I think I, I, so, so my, that brings up my next question. Is there a certain type of genre of film that you're dying to dive into? Yes. Well, what is it? Can you guess? Just take it. Oh my God. Hopefully 80s slasher horror. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> Musicals. Okay. Well, okay. Well, I mean, look, never say never. Um, all music is music. And, uh, there's something good to be said about every genre out there, but, um, <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, I think I'm dying to do a sci-fi. Ooh. I am dying to do a sci-fi. Um, I'm actually working on a thriller right now. Um, and I'm really excited about that. It's crazy, uh, aggressive in synth insanity. Um, and that's been super exciting and freeing because basically the feedback that I've gotten so far is just like, like, you know, release the hounds. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so that's been really exciting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would love to do a sci-fi. I, um, my, my grandfather worked at NASA and awesome. as a nuclear physicist. And, um, I think like space has just always just been this, I mean, it's just, it's just incredibly beautiful and frightening and interesting and exciting and, I think, you know, as inspiration for art of any kind, it's just like kind of an endless um, place to get it from. So, um, and I also, I wrote a big concert piece um, called The Filion uh, for 40 Piece Orchestra. Um, that's out on my SoundCloud too. Um, but so I, for Filion, I mean, that was like basically me scoring a movie that nobody asked me to score. <laughs> so like, um, so yeah, it's definitely, uh, I would be super thrilled to do, to do a sci-fi. Um, oh, cool. yeah. And I'm also like excited to do, um, a drama, you know, something, something that touches on some of the darker subjects, uh, as well. So. Very cool. Very cool. Um, let's jump in to some really fun questions right now, if you don't mind. <laughs> what is your most thrilling musical experience, both as a musician slash composer and as a fan? Whoa. Um, 
Oh, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, thrilling musical experience. Um, most thrilling. Uh, ooh. Um, so, so it could kind of be something like, uh, like for as a fan, if like there, there was like a show that you saw when you were younger growing up that you're like, I'm in the front row, or if it was working with somebody as like a musician or something like that, or that moment where you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do, or this is like the perfect work that I've done, something like that. Okay, I kind of have, I don't know if this is like the most exciting answer, but I think it's the most truthful one. Um, when I was at Berkeley, I had this teacher called Ala Elena Cohen, and I remember hearing her play um, Chopin for like the first time, and I remember she played it so insanely beautifully that like tears were just like streaming down my face in class and I just like could not keep it together um she's absolutely incredible I mean she's also uh, a composer and has a ton of uh records out um but uh yeah I had never heard anyone play so beautifully like in my presence so that was that was amazing yeah that would be it <laughs> as the fan and as the uh as, as the musician um that would be as a fan like I think that was that and um you know I've had a lot of I've, I've seen a lot of shows and I've thought really a lot of amazing things about those shows but I think that was like the the biggest life-changing moment because after that I was just kind of like um I was I was like obsessed <laughs> cool I like it all right, next one. Uh, what is the most curious or strangest recording, either on an LP or a CD or an MP3 that you own? Curious or strange recording? Um, uh, I think probably like, uh, probably like Poulenc Bestiaire. Um, there's a song on there, one of my favorite pieces of music ever written, and literally it's called The Carp. I know, this is so weird. It's called The Carp. Look it up. It's like, um, it's an incredibly beautiful piece of music sung by a baritone. Um, and it's just, uh, it's just a delicate piece of poetry. I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it, but yeah. Poulenc. We're going to have to look that up. Oh my goodness. It's like the opposite of my curious one or my strangest one, which is uh, Shonen Knife. Have you heard of them? No. What's that? Shonen Knife is a all-female Japanese punk group that sings about food, and they do a cover of Weird Al's Eat It. <laughs> I have that. It's a, why not? It, it's amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Yeah. yeah. Shonen knife. Uh, all right, cool. So we're gonna, I'm gonna have to look up the one you just uh, say. Say the name again of the band. Uh, so the band is uh, is a composer. Uh, okay, composer. Called uh, his last name is Poulenc. Okay. Um, and uh, the piece of music is uh, the carp, and it's part of a collection of songs from the Bestiaire. Awesome. 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 All right. Also another one. Let's go. Let, we're going to keep going. Uh, so you mentioned earlier that 
the Shawshank Redemption was a big turning point in film music for you. Are there any other besides Shawshank Redemption musical moments from movies that always have always stuck with you? Something like that. Any any particular music swell in a film, you know, like E.T.'s flying with Elliot or something like that. Is there any particular music moments in movies that you just inspire? Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, I think actually a recent one is I just absolutely loved Johan Johansson's score to Arrival. Oh, yes. Heptapods. Um, and the way that he gave them a voice um and i mean i just love that score i have it on vinyl and uh it's every time i listen to it there's just like new things that i discover about it but the the way that that worked with with the heptapods like it, it's just incredible and and another i mean in that same realm um in terms of uh those types of composers um when I watched Chernobyl, I was like completely blown away by the score that Hilder did. And um, I just loved like the subtlety of it, the effectiveness of it, and how it just like colored, you know, the entire miniseries in like the perfect way. Um, I think I really like it when someone just gets the atmosphere right. That's sort of my... Um, that's sort of what I notice, you know, in, in the world. Um, I um, I think, you know, to speak about like some older scores, um, Vertigo is one of my favorite scores. And I mean, it's, it would be hard to pick a moment in that film, but um, you know, that's, that's one of the most beautiful scores to me. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, another one is Big Fish. Um, a good one you know and like i mean it's uh, it's it's so, it, it is so hard i mean eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is another one that just it just like um I, you know it's it's just it's really hard it's so hard to choose um no you're you're naming some great ones <laughs> yeah. you're doing like a playlist which brings me uh to another question in these you know quasi quarantine times is there a uh is there a, a playlist is there a a genevieve playlist of songs that i don't know about that you want to tell the world about to listen to besides you know dark dark yeah actually speaking of dark dark we're putting out some playlists very soon uh but um on spotify uh, just for for people to check out um but um yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, to be honest with you, what I'm listening to a lot is like top 40. I like, I'm also listening to like Beats 1. And like, I mean, I, I just like, I don't know. I mean, it, it's hard to say. It's like, I love listening to the radio because I love it when other people choose what I'm listening to. Like, I think, <laughs> you know, like I, I, I think it, I sort of like, I know what I like and I, I collect the things that I like. But I really love like just going on like I'm I'm an Apple Music person. I, I like Spotify, but I had to choose, you know, Apple Music. <laughs> and I just like go from yeah, I just go from playlist to playlist to playlist. Like I love seeing like artist curated playlists. Um and, and like I said, me and Chris are gonna be doing some of those. Um but 
yeah, I think, uh, I think just like anytime I can like hear someone else's perspective or like hear new music. I mean, that to me is the most exciting thing. And, you know, I'm listening to a lot of hip hop and a lot of pop music and just stuff that makes me feel happy and like good because the world is a crazy place right now. So. Yeah, that's very true. Um, Mark, do you have any, uh, any fun questions? Yeah, let's go back to the, um, the the wrestling intro. Okay, so we've got your music. We've got the t-shirt guns. Can can you come up with a name that fits your your attitude, your height, your stature, your vision? Oh, um, it's so hard. I mean, it'd have to be something quirky, maybe like, yeah, it'd have to be something quirky because, you know, obviously that's happening. Um, <laughs> like against my will I'm just quirky um but I I don't know you know damn if I was a wrestler I mean I'd be a pretty ineffective one I'm not gonna lie I'd be like I don't know if I would be like that tough in the ring you know what I mean but maybe I could just like be silly or I don't yeah I can't think of a I can't think of a name really all I know is like when I was little me and my dad used to like play wrestlers (laughs) that's awesome Back in the day, I thought I was up for the task. Now I'm like, uh. <laughs> Genevieve, the conductor of destruction. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, you win. That was. <laughs> Actually, I was kind of hoping you go for something like uh, in excess, because you know when it comes to buying three thousand dollars worth of equipment just to get a job, flying to France to meet French rappers. I don't know. I'd say you throw it all out there and you go for it. So I, I like in excess. <laughs> I in excess. You know what? Thank God for credit cards. That's all I got to say. <laughs> for I, sure. We'll pay them later. No problems. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Just kidding. That's a bad idea. I take it all back. Don't do that. It's only okay if you get the gig. Then you can pay them off. Yep. There you go. Awesome. Well, Genevieve, thank you so much for joining us today. We've had so much fun with you and we hope to have you on the show many more times. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Um, Do you want to let all the listeners out there know where they can find you on all the worldwide internets? Sure thing. Um, So uh my score for the broken hearts gallery is out uh via sony masterworks um you can get that on spotify itunes um amazon deezer title wherever you want um and you can grab um a couple of pieces of mine from the soundtrack to moving art season three uh which is called the best of moving art season three and it has some other amazing pieces from other composers that composed for um season three of moving art as well uh by louis schwartzberg um and that's out on all the places all the streaming places the buying places and then um dark dark uh has uh the new single called sequels by uh featuring leone and that is out as well as our latest EP, We Forget When We're Apart. And uh, that is also out too. So you can get all of those things uh, on all the places that you want to get them. Now, do any of these come in LP format on vinyl so I could listen to on the turntable and roll a joint on them? Oh, you know, I, it's, I really wish Chris was here because that was the kind of, that's the kind of thing that Chris would be like, hmm. 
Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> the, the joint or the vinyl? We need some the details. The joint. Okay. The okay. Definitely my Chris's vibe. Um, okay. We'll get Chris on next time then. Yeah. Um, but like, um, yeah, no, no one has, no one has spent enough money on us to pay for vinyl. <laughs> but like, hey, maybe next record we'll get a little bit more money. We'll, you know, do a little bit of extra merch and stuff and we shall see you know i think it's we would both love to do it but you know it's expensive to press vinyl so we'll see <laughs> for sure for sure we we know a little bit about the pressing of vinyl here it's a it's a fun business to be in but also a, a frustrating one especially during these times yeah yeah hopefully. but thank you thank you so much that was a lot of fun thank you